0: So for a long-term strategy, there's no better way. And especially in podcasting, you think about it for me, rather than spending all of my time and energy marketing to people that are never going to open a podcast app, I would rather go find a podcast that is speaking to my dream listeners and for free, go get an hour of exposure Mm -hmm. in front of that audience, it then becomes a warm audience because when somebody listens to you for an hour, they now know, love and trust you and they're going to go listen to your podcast if they enjoyed you and they're going to tell their friends and it'll just organically grow much quicker.
1: Hello, you're listening to Podcast Growth Hacks where I talk to podcasters of all experience levels to unpack the most powerful growth tactics they used to grow their podcast. I'm Pat Chom. And if you're a podcaster, well then subscribe so that together we can all learn and experiment with how to grow our own podcasts. So today we're chatting with Angie Griffith, the host of four things for your podcast. Professionally, she has an extensive background in the music industry as a talent manager for some high profile clients. And since then, she's produced podcasts for herself and others, have mentored clients through her mentorship program, and have advised brands and nonprofits on their higher level strategy. I first met Angie at Podcast Movement in LA, and I wanted to have her on the show because I love her systematic approach to growth and her passion to help people succeed in podcasting. Welcome to the show, Angie.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here on your podcast.
1: Thanks for being here. Well, today we want to learn all the things you did to grow your podcast. But before we dive into all that, let's, let's learn a little bit about your podcast. What's it about?
0: Well, first of all, today we're going to learn how I'm still growing my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I do not claim to have the biggest download numbers quite yet. Um, It's just about a year-ish old. Um, But the podcast, it's called Four Things for Your Podcast, and it's based around my idea that, like you mentioned, I come from the music business, and it's based around this concept I have that The same mindset and strategies used by globally recognized entertainers Mm. should also be implemented by podcasters and content creators across the board. So I really like to kind of tie the two worlds together and show podcasters that they really should be looking at their podcast as a brand and they can be building a business around that brand and looking at themselves more so as talent, right? Um, so it's more bigger picture thinking, thinking outside of the box, focusing on high-level strategy instead of like, for instance, what's the best microphone to use? We kind of like to go a little bit bigger on on this particular podcast and think wider scale. All
1: right, That's cool. And one of the things I love about your podcast, you did a couple episodes in March that I totally love. You were completely open and transparent about. Uh, your podcast journey. I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. Your origin story, because I think it's so interesting. How did you start becoming a podcaster, and how did you start this podcast?
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, that is like a whole long story. That's a whole episode. Yeah. It was two uh,
1: episodes, two yeah. one-hour episodes, actually. <laughs> but we're going to condense that into like five minutes somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's let's try to condense that. Okay. So, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And what that originally looked like, let's say 13 years ago, is I thought I was going to be a songwriter. And so that's what brought me to Nashville. And through a series of events, I actually ended up learning about myself that the art of songwriting wasn't what was drawing me towards that kind of career and that profession. It was more so the idea of being financially independent and this idea of residual income and building generational wealth. And so I, I don't want to say I gave up my dream of songwriting because that wasn't the case because really songwriting was never my real dream, right? It was never mm-hmm. my purpose, but I pivoted. And so I found my way into artist management, as you mentioned, and began learning the ropes of the music industry, which is starting from the ground up um, and getting in the trenches and ended up being a senior manager at a company I was with for about eight years And around the seven, eight year mark, I decided I wanted to venture off and start my own company. And I knew that I didn't want to start my own company in management because at the end of the day, as an artist manager, you're working 24 seven to build somebody else's empire, right? Like it's never going to be my own thing. So I started to explore different options and ended up talking to another management company in town that had been wanting to build out a brand partnerships department Mm -hmm. and met with them and had an amazing conversation. It was in full alignment. We were ready to go partner on this new department, share revenue and the whole thing. And when I was leaving one of our final conversations, I was like literally walking out the door and he said, Angie, we both have extensive networks in the music industry but neither one of us have really strong relationships with brands. So do you have any idea how we could start to form those relationships? And I had this idea come to me like on the spot, but I didn't wanna say it cause I hadn't really thought it through. And I was like, he's gonna think this is stupid. But I was like, well, I guess off the top of my head um, we could maybe start a podcast where we interview the heads of brands because one at a time we're going to start planting the seeds of those relationships. And so we might not need that brand right there right now when we interview them, but we'll start to really form strong relationships. And so when we do have a partnership need, we have a direct contact at the company. And he was like, Angie, that is the most brilliant idea. Do you know how to start a podcast? And I was like, no, but I'm a manager. Like I can figure anything out. Right. So he was like, okay, I'm traveling for three weeks. When I get back, um, I'm going to let you know what I can offer you. And I talked to my business management during that time. And then on your end, do you mind just like figuring out how to start a podcast? And I was like, sure, no problem. <laughs> so <laughs> during those three weeks was like the busiest time of my career. I had a client playing two nights at the Ryman Auditorium, which is a huge deal here mm-hmm. in Nashville. But every waking moment, I was, researching how to start a podcast. <laughs> and when I started to research this, I was like, "Oh my goodness, like we can't start a podcast based on what the podcast can do for us, right? We have to start a podcast that people want to listen to. So, what is actually the premise of this podcast and why will people want to listen to it?" Mm-hmm. And it turned into this whole it was no longer, okay, how to start a podcast. Like that all of the logistics I figured out pretty quickly. But it became this new project of how do I build a brand Mm -hmm. (laughs) that like will actually produce the long-term results that we want. So the three weeks passed and I go back to the office and now I'm in front of not only the owner of the company, but his entire staff and I was like you guys you're either going to love me or hate me after this but like I need 20 minutes of your undivided attention because I have a whole presentation. <laughs> so <laughs> I sat everyone down and I had done a whole mock photo shoot, I had a logo done, I had the cover art, um I had a mock intro created. The whole concept was just planned out. And after that meeting, he took me aside and he was like, "Angie, I don't think we should start this brand partnerships department anymore. I want to sign you as my first ever podcasting client. (laughs) And he was offering me my current salary, whatever I was currently making plus bonuses. And I was just like, whoa, what? This does not happen in the music industry. So we both thought about it separately. And because the music industry and entertainment in general is so political and the relationships are so delicate. Everything happens based on relationships in the music business and you never want to burn a bridge. And so we both decided it would be the best idea for everyone. If I first offered the opportunity to my current company, my current bosses, Mm. me knowing full well, they were going to be like, Angie, LOL, like, let us know how it goes. We love you and support you. Right. (laughs) But I was like, it's the right thing to do. So I fly to LA and this is, I want to say this was 2019 I fly to LA and I sit down with all of my bosses in this fancy conference room and I pitch them the idea. And in that meeting, they said, Angie will offer you your current salary plus bonuses. Plus you get to keep your assistant.
1: (laughs) Wow. I
0: was like, what? What is happening? Are you guys all high? Like what is going on in the world right now? And so I went back to the original guy and we both decided what's meant to be will be. And we are still very close, he and I, but we just decided I was going to stay with my current company. And so I filled in my assistant. And at the time I was always managing two clients day to day at the same time. So I had one legacy client, which was a big, massive client that I had been with for the past eight years. And then I always had a rotating client. And then In my spare time with that, I was supposed to be starting to work on the podcast. And luck would have it, around that time is when the pandemic hit. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it didn't make any sense for us to start this risky new project. Particularly us in the music business, we made all of our revenue through touring. So we were pulling down arenas, stadium tours. I mean, we were having to let people go. Everyone Mm -hmm. had salary reductions. And my lane was building out a podcast department. And so during that year, I built out our very first ever podcast division at the company. And we signed some cool network projects. We developed a show with one of our music artists who had been wanting wow. to start a podcast and just i made so many relationships in that year and learned so much about podcasting on a high level very very quickly and i'm so grateful for that time and then at the same time on the side because I had never hosted a podcast before. And here I am advising our high level (laughs) clients about how to podcast and how to get a deal and all these things. So I was sitting around with two of my girlfriends one night and we were talking about our dating lives. And I was just like, Hey, do you guys mind? Can we just record this really quick? (laughs) Because I need to like figure out how to podcast. And they were like, sure. So we ended up doing just on the side, just for fun and for practice. And for me anyway, um, a whole season of a podcast about our lives and dating and never shared it with anyone. I mean, I never shared it with anyone because I was trying to walk the line of not having it conflict with my career.
1: Sure.
0: And uh, so then eventually fast forward, it was February of 21, I believe. And we were starting to put back up our tours. And we were starting to get back into the touring business. Um, and it was the perfect time for me to go back to my bosses and say, okay, I, technically I quit like two years ago, <laughs> but this has been such an amazing time where we were helping each other out. And I'm so grateful for this, but it is really time for me to go do my own thing now. And the podcast that we originally were going to do together just didn't make sense anymore anyway. And so that's when I started to form my own company and start to build my own brand and, Four Things for Your Podcast was a product of this new brand that I was building.
1: So it sounds like you cut your teeth on these uh, pretty highly produced type podcasts, and then you decided to go off on your own. Tell us about the brand that you're building.
0: Yeah, well, I'm really just building a personal brand as a creator, right? So it's constantly evolving and changing by the day. Originally, when I started Four Things for Your Podcast, I had it in my mind that I was going to go into podcast coaching. And I built out a whole program for podcasters, teaching podcasters start to finish how to launch a podcast, which took a lot of my time and energy to build out that program. I'm very proud of it. I love it. But what I realized through launching that program over and over and through working with clients in that program is do I stand behind the program? 100%. Is it open for enrollment? 100%. But at my core, I'm not naturally a coach. Like I'm not a coddler. Mm. I provide information and for me it's what you do with the information you're given, right? Like I nobody holds my hand and I don't really hold anyone else's hand. And so coaching, quote unquote coaching is not my calling per se. Okay. Like I really just like sharing information. So when I started four things for your podcast, I was feeling so overwhelmed building a new business, figuring out how to pay my bills with a new business, which is obviously very challenging and figuring out how to launch this program. I had invested a lot of money into a high level coach to help me figure out how to launch a high ticket program. And so the last thing I had time for was a podcast, although I really wanted to have a podcast. I, it just wasn't the right time in my mind to start the podcast that I really wanted to start. But if I was going into podcast coaching, I knew I needed something in the podcast apps so that people can discover me if they're searching Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. how to start a podcast. So to me, it didn't really matter the the length of the episodes or anything like that. It was more just like SEO. Sure. So. When I started the podcast, it was really just like an on the side thing. And it was called four things for your podcast. And the reason I called it that is because it was four things for your podcast in four minutes or less. So every episode was just four Ah. minutes, very Mm. specific about one topic that I was teaching on. And that was it. And it was once a week. And those episodes felt so draining for me. Like it was Mm. not at all fun. It just, it felt like so much work. It was so hard compared to the last podcast that I had. And I didn't know why, like, I was like, why is this so hard? It's just four minutes. And so it was this past December. So Christmas time this past year, which would have been December 21. I was listening to um, a particular podcast that it's a solo podcast by another online coach, Allie Reeves. Actually, her podcast is called Six Figure Influencer. And I just discovered it randomly in Apple Podcasts and was like binging it over Christmas. And it was something about the way she delivered her episodes that she made it sound so effortless. Like she was just speaking to a friend, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so I thought to myself, I was like, okay, why don't I, like, I have a podcast and I want to have a podcast that I love. So why don't I just try to make this podcast into something that I love and would want to listen to. Right. Mm -hmm. So I decided in that moment that when I get back in January, I'm going to just start recording a mix of solo and guest interview episodes and completely change the whole format of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I, the first episode was solo. And then from there, it's been mostly guest interviews. What used to feel so hard immediately when I flipped the format and announced Mm. it and created a new trailer, it was like in total alignment. And even though it's probably 10 times as much work, it feels like it's not even close to as much work just because (laughs) it's in such alignment. Right. And like, that's what I tell my audience all the time is like, It's not going to feel like so much work if you're doing what actually feels in alignment to you. And I'm like definitely evidence of that.
1: (laughs) Right. So is it still a mix of solo and guest?
0: It is Mm -hmm. mostly guest interviews.
1: Got it. And do the guests talk about podcasting? Is it still kind of within this four things premise or has it kind of pivoted from it?
0: Yeah, it's well, it's just like anything in content creation land. It pivots all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But It is, yes, it's still four things for your podcast and how I made that work with guest interviews and with the solo episodes is at the end of the episode, I asked the guest, well, up until now, which I'll tell you what I'm doing now, but up until now, it's been at the end of the episode, I asked the guest, okay, what are four tips you have for whatever they're talking about to kind of recap and close the episode. But now I'm positioning myself more as an expert and Mm -hmm. a good way to do that. I feel like is me recapping the four tips at the end so oh, saying okay. these are my four key takeaways for podcasters and content creators um and it also relieves a lot of pressure from the guests too they don't have to prepare as much which i always felt bad about so i think <laughs> yeah. i think this is a good move and i'm really excited about it
1: totally agree getting a guest to come up with four things is like a lot of homework for them. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. And your I think your audience wants to hear from you. Like, what, what do you think the four things are? So that's cool.
0: Yeah. It was actually uh, brought to me by a friend of mine who is super respected in the podcasting space. And he is just happens to be like a huge fan of my podcast. And he was <laughs> yeah. he was like, I have an idea, like take it or leave it. And he told me that. And I was like, Yes, definitely. (laughs) I can't believe I didn't think of that. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. I love it. Yeah. So let's talk about the four things for your podcast. It seems like you've been doing it for over a year. How's that going?
0: It's going amazing. Like I said, it's like totally in alignment now. And I'm so proud of it. And
1: before you dive into that, is that the main part of your business? Or is it still kind of feeding into the launch course and all that stuff?
0: I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I meant to get there too. Okay. So when I first started it, it was just a feeder into my programs, anything, you know, product services, memberships. That's why I had the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now it's not, I mean, it is still, but that's mm-hmm. not the primary focus of it. Reason being is because I found myself when that was the case, there were people that I wanted to bring on my podcast that I didn't invite on my podcast because they had competing offers. So Mm. it would be a podcaster who I admire and they have tons of downloads and they have an amazing community and I would love for them to share their expertise with my community, but I had this scarcity mindset of why would somebody Mm. wanna Mm. work with me if so-and-so has been doing this for so much longer? And like, and so that was really stopping me. And then one day I was just like, No, I want to ask this person to come on my podcast because it's going to be the best content for my audience. Mm. And maybe my way, because of course I need to monetize my podcast, at least for me personally, that is definitely a goal of mine. And maybe it's not through directing an audience back towards my existing income generating product services memberships, but more so I can focus on building a community and bring the best of the best to them Mm -hmm. and monetize through sponsorships, which I never thought I would prior to that. I never saw myself monetizing through sponsorships, but now that's what I primarily see myself monetizing through. So it has changed so much in that regard as well.
1: So these are like ad sponsorships on your podcast or- right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think you mentioned community. Do you try to funnel your listeners into a community that you charge for?
0: I'm not charging for a community yet. Like I said, it's always constantly growing and evolving as a new entrepreneur. Uh I do have a free Facebook group where, yes, I funnel my community into there, just have everyone in one spot and kind of let everyone else interact with each other as well. Mm -hmm. And that's called Innovative Rising Podcasters. And the focus of that group is all about growth, podcast growth, finding collaborations. It's a really great community. And so I do have that. And then, yeah, as far as like a paid community, it's something that I have a bunch of ideas for that down the road. I just don't think I'm there yet. I am working on as another income stream. I mean, I have income streams like (laughs) all over the (laughs) board and really my biggest focus at this point is I'm working on planning my first Nashville local podcast industry event. And so obviously, hopefully if I raise enough money through sponsors, I'll be able to take some of that home. And then I want to make that like a semi-annual event. Yeah.
1: Cool. We'll have to discuss that uh, offline a little bit. I'm thinking yeah. of doing something similar in Portland. So going back to your four things, so it sounds like the main revenue you're targeting is sponsorship revenue.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: So that changes things a lot because that yeah. means you have to think about downloads quite a bit, right? hmm yeah. yeah. So tell me how it's going there.
0: It's going great. What I believe and what I've seen to be true and through friends and industry, I have a lot of conversations about this stuff, is a podcast really takes a while to gain traction and mm. it's really around that 3 year mark you most podcasts if you've been putting out consistently good content that's when you see a spike in downloads and so for me i'm still in this growth phase like i said i'm in the first year or so of this podcast and so it's really easy for me not to get discouraged when i see my download numbers because i know how it works right, right. and like i've talked to so many people who And of course, you know, there are exceptions to every rule, but I've talked to so many people that have said, yeah, it was around that three-year mark where it went from like zero to a hundred, like overnight, like just like skyrocketed. It wasn't a steady growth, but more so just like exponentially quickly, like right around that three-year mark. So that's how I personally keep myself inspired to keep putting out the best content I possibly can throughout this first three years. And then of course, when that three-year mark comes, I will reevaluate (laughs) if I'm not seeing, you know, but I'm doing everything in my power to help my podcast grow. And it is growing little by little. So I'm excited to see what happens yeah. in three years. And that's yeah. what I
1: appreciated about your full transparency episodes that I alluded to, which I'll include links to those episodes in the show notes, that you definitely have like a long game approach. And it's yeah. on some level like scary, but refreshing to hear because everyone you know is looking for these quick fixes and quick wins. But you were really in it for the long run. So going back to the four things I'm very curious. Uh yeah, let's maybe let's dive into this main growth hack and understand what your numbers are now. Yeah. Uh so what has gotten you to where you are now?
0: It's a mix of things and like I said it's hard to say right now because it's I haven't seen any like crazy traction. It's just like very slowly just like getting Picked it, like one personal share it one week and one personal share it the next week, right? But when I look at my insights, it is really refreshing to see that it is an upwards trajectory, right? Like sure. it, it is slowly growing upwards. So when I first started it, I, I don't even really want to talk much about th- the first twenty or so episodes or whatever it was when it sure. was completely out of alignment, because in my mind. Yes, it counts because I was learning and figuring out how to be a podcaster. So of course your early episodes count into that, you know, quote unquote, three year thing. So I do (laughs) count that. But as far as stats, like, I don't know, I I think around that time I was probably getting like 20 downloads an episode or something, but I wasn't sharing it. Right. Like I wasn't even trying. And then in January I flipped the format and announced it publicly and had my first guest on and all of that. I would say at that time it was getting, I don't know, 30 ish, 30, 40 downloads an episode. Still uh-huh. nothing crazy. And then now i 'm let 's see a year later, averaging around a hundred downloads an episode
1: that 's great yeah
0: no it 's really not <laughs> great in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, but sure. it 's getting there right, sure. and like it 's just slowly growing, and I know i 'm doing the right things that are going to pay off again, just like you said, I have a long game mentality, so i 'm not doing yes, I could pay for downloads, I could pay for you know listens, right, but what i 'm mm. really trying to cultivate is a meaningful audience that I form deep connections with the people that are tuning in rather than trying to Mm -hmm. reach every single person. Because to me, those, those long-term relationships, those are going to be my biggest megaphones, right? Like when they find an episode that really resonates with them, they're going to shout it from the rooftops, just like I do with my favorite podcasts. So as far as paid marketing, I don't do a ton of paid marketing. I like dabbled here and there, but really I'm focused on organically growing and like growing in the right way.
1: I know you wanted to talk about collaborations as part of your growth strategy. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Well, really quick before we move on to collaborations, just about like this download number thing. It has been super humbling for me too, because Mm -hmm. as coming from the entertainment world, working with high level entertainers, I know the strategies. Like I know them. Mm -hmm. I know what works. I know how it works. Right. Like, and it's just the implementation and waiting it out and playing the long game. But in any project I do, I'm a type A Enneagram one. Like I always think I'm going to be the exception to the rule. And like, I'm going to be just better, you know, (laughs) it'll be faster for me and just watch. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's been super humbling because I'm watching myself be a normal person. Like I, I'm not (laughs) a huge influencer. I don't Mm -hmm. have a huge following. I'm not a huge like artist entertainer. And so I'm actually really grateful that my podcast hasn't been an exception to the rule. Because now when I'm speaking to my community three years from now, and I have grown organically, and I did stick it out when I wasn't seeing big download numbers, and I, I didn't get discouraged, I'm going to be able to share my personal experience to encourage others. And I'm like, really grateful for that. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that before we move on.
1: <laughs> no, that's great. Um, and the reason why I said 100 is great, because I think I might have even heard it on your episode once where I think you said like 50% of podcasters only get 30 downloads. That's sort of the norm, right? I think and and even in this podcast I ask about numbers a lot just to kind of normalize the small number mm-hmm. <laughs> syndrome that we're all kind of averse to talking about because I think a lot of people don't know that 100 is, you know, if you're comparing it to the greater podcast audience that's above average <laughs> it is um, and
0: and i'm glad you pointed that out it definitely is above average and 30 i think is like the average but I want to be in the tier that is monetizing, and I want to m- build a business out of my podcast. And so I have to think bigger, which is why when I see 100, I'm really proud of that, of course. But it's just the first step for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, even though I'm trying to normalize it, I'm not trying to aspire to it. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I know,
1: that's why I love that you're aspiring to greater things, and you know it's going to take time, and you're willing to put in the work. So speaking of, you kind of just touched on it, that sponsorship, which is your main goal right now versus like doing something that requires smaller audiences. You need big audiences for sponsorship. So how do you think about that? What are your goals and how are you thinking about getting there?
0: So right now, for me personally, I'm going to feel much more confident reaching out about sponsorships when I have a little bit more downloads. I still feel like personally for me, the numbers are just a little bit low for me to feel super confident pitching for sponsorships.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But when I reach, let's say an average of 500 downloads per episode, I will feel confident, nothing huge, not, not like a high price sponsorship or anything like that but i will feel confident having those initial like monetary conversations with brands and i think i'll start with smaller brands probably that Mm -hmm. are really niche that my audience will really love and maybe a brand that is still growing who really could use the exposure even if it is smaller and maybe they Mm -hmm. can't afford to advertise on these bigger podcasts so Mm. it's really you can get really creative and i'm really grateful for my background in doing these kinds of (laughs) yeah deals with clients to know these things and it's really just about how you pitch and finding brands that are in alignment who have the same values and who align with the people that you're speaking to Um, and really it's like anything is possible is what I've learned in in my experience it's just finding the right partners that click
1: sure no I, I totally agree with that I love that attitude too and so when you do get to that 500 number like what kind of CPMs are you thinking about
0: It's probably not going to be based on CPM. So, for everyone listening, if you're not familiar with CPM, it's cost per mil, which means you get a certain dollar amount per 1,000 downloads. So, it's really based on stats. So, it's usually between like $20 and $30 per 1,000 downloads. And then that's how you calculate how much a brand will pay you for the placement. Long story short. (laughs) But what I think, what I'll more lean into is the title sponsorship concept where I would commit, let's say, my personal annual cycle for my podcast is 40 full length episodes, which leaves 12 weeks for rest and recharge or shorter mini episodes. So what I would probably do is commit to a 40 episode annual cycle, or maybe even Mm -hmm. half a year, which would be 20 episodes and put a price tag on that. So the brand would not only have a plug in the episode, but they might get a title mentioned. So I'd be like, Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of four things for your podcast, which as always is brought to you by honey. Uh, Right. And then we would put the logo on the cover art. I would link the logo and the website in the show description. We'd have an affiliate link. We'd have a discount for the listeners and Instagram posts, all these kinds of things that like are my brand, but not necessarily just one ad in the podcast, if that makes sense, more like a 360 kind of partnership.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I want to dive into that a little bit too. And I'm so glad you're doing this because I feel like going to these conferences, the industry isn't even paying attention to this thing that you're talking about. I know (laughs) you don't hear it on stage at all. All you hear is, you know, these big companies talking about CPM because they have to, make this work on such scale that they have to standardize these numbers. And, you know, it's scary for, let's say, the independent podcasters that's getting anywhere from like 500 downloads to even, you know, not even say 5,000 downloads per episode. The numbers they're talking about, you can't make a living off that.
0: No. Uh, and so, you um, can't really start working with advertisers on a serious level until you're at like the 10,000 or even really 20,000 downloads per episode mark, which is like right. not not many independent podcasters are there, <laughs> Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And just to clarify for the audience what you're talking about, because the average CPM of these large podcast ad networks is around 20 bucks, which means on average for each ad, a podcaster will only get $20 for a thousand downloads per ad. So, yeah, to earn a hundred dollars per ad, you need 5,000 downloads per episode. That's a lot of downloads for the average podcaster.
0: Right. And if your downloads are lower, just to jump in real quick, it really doesn't make sense for you as the creator or the brand to put in all the work to make the ads anyway, if you're only going to be making like $5 an episode. So that's why they don't even work with smaller podcasters for the most part.
1: Yeah, you can't even qualify to right. even work with some of these advertising networks. So I love what you're describing here. So tell us a little bit more about that. How much would you think you would be able to charge an advertiser based on some of the research you've done?
0: Well, I've actually put together a whole arm of my business around this. I just haven't really marketed or focused on it much, but I I have a whole spreadsheet that I've put together that's based on CPM. And just to make a long story short, what I've done is I figured out what is the price based on CPM for 40 episodes, and then I upcharge that. So... It just depends how many downloads the podcast gets. And then I just bump it up a little bit because we're doing a whole title sponsorship. They're partnering with the podcast and you're getting social right. posts and you're getting all this stuff on top of it.
1: I see. So just to break that down a little bit, let's say you get the 500 downloads per episode for the four things podcast and you're selling a title sponsor. How would you package that up? Like, Do you talk to them about CPMs at all or is it like, this is going to be a flat fee of, I don't know, Uh, Actually, I'm not even sure what kind of numbers you're thinking of at 500. Is it in the thousands?
0: So on the spreadsheet I created, I didn't even, I started at a thousand. So I don't know for 500. And I would, that's something I would have just done on my own for myself. But at a thousand, So if you're getting a thousand downloads per episode, I'm confident that I could sell a 40 episode cycle title sponsorship for $1,800. And now if this is, let's say it's a big influencer who just started their podcast. And for some reason, the podcast isn't picking up a lot of traction, but they have a lot of TikTok followers and they're willing to talk about the brand on their TikTok. I always get creative and I factor that in too. And so if that's the case, I can bump that up a lot. Just based on CPM alone, I'm confident at 1,800 for 40 episodes. Wow. And then so like, they,
1: would, they would get that title spot and an ad read for $1,800? Right. I see. Okay. That's great. Yeah. And would you have several of those? Because even $1,800 kind of maybe barely pays your bills how oh, and you that's, long yeah long? I,
0: I wouldn't even recommend again it's like so much work for eighteen hundred dollars i probably wouldn't recommend that it's just where my spreadsheet starts <laughs> sure sure
1: sure so you use your spreadsheet as kind of your growth goal
0: It's just the the baseline guide like yeah. the reason i put my spreadsheet together is because i would never want to go to a brand and suggest a rate that i can't back And so it all starts with the CPM data. That's where it has to start. And then from there, I upcharge based on whatever else the podcaster has to offer. And just to be clear, in case anyone is interested in this, what I've realized is for me personally, because this isn't the main arm of my business, I have to be really selective with the podcasters I work with to put together these deals. But if there's a brand listening who is ready to dip into podcast sponsorship and this sounds interesting to you, that is where I can really lean in and help you put together a package and find you the best bang for your buck. So Mm -hmm. I prefer to work on behalf of the brand in this situation just in case anyone's listening because it just makes my life a whole lot easier.
1: (laughs) Oh, interesting. So actually let's talk about that just for one minute. So you actually represent brands too in matching them with podcasters.
0: Yeah. Again. Oh,
1: okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, cool.
0: again, it's literally an arm of the business that I never sure. even talk about. And yes, it exists if anyone's interested, but it's like one of many things that I do.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And what's your revenue model for that? Do you take a I don't a percentage cut on the spend?
0: Every situation is different for that one. So it's not a one size fits all package. It just depends what's the brand what's the budget Hmm. or if i'm working on behalf of a podcaster in that situation it's probably going to be more of a retainer especially to put everything together for them and pitch to brands but if a brand comes in with a budget and they're like hey just find us the best bang for your buck i'm usually happy just do that on a commission basis
1: i see and then you just help them negotiate with i take it you even go out and find a podcaster for that brand, even if you don't have an existing relationship
0: Definitely. Yeah. So I find the best podcast or collection of podcasts. And then really my role from there is just making sure that everyone knows what's expected of them and helping to facilitate the contract between the brand and the podcaster and just making sure the podcaster understands that they have to honor their commitments (laughs) and that the brand understands how podcasting works and everyone's flexible. I'm kind of like this middleman to just manage that relationship.
1: That's so cool. That's why I love talking to podcasters are in the industry because there's all these tangents that I love getting yeah. into. But now going back to the four things <laughs> podcast, <laughs> it's always hard to stay on track talking to someone in the industry. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about collaborations.
0: Yeah. So I think the question you asked me before we were recorded was, what's my favorite growth strategy? What would it mm-hmm. be? And what I said is collaborations. Mm-hmm. And really the answer is twofold. So You know me, I think long term, but let's talk short term first. So in the short term, what I've personally seen is that titling of episodes is so important. Like Mm. when somebody looks at your podcast feed, they need to be able to scan your titles and figure out is this for them? What will they get out of this episode? Who's the guest? It has to be very clear, right? So like titling I've found has been really helpful for me and my clients and my other friends in podcasting. And as a listener, I really appreciate clear titles because our time is limited and I'm not going to give you 40, 60, 90 minutes of my time. I'm not going to take that chance if I don't even know really what the episode is about. Mm -hmm. And also, that said, I've realized being really specific, especially people really love learning about how to make money and they love like five steps four, you know, three steps mm-hmm. to whatever, how to do this one thing, the one thing you need to, whatever. Mm-hmm. A really strong title with that. It's like ad copy almost. You have to think right. about your title as ad copy. And I've noticed that when I, obviously not every episode is going to warrant a title like that, which is totally fine. It's, you have to be authentic to the show as well. But when I do title my episodes, like how to make money doing this or how this person got Mm -hmm. this amount of downloads, I notice that those episodes have more downloads. And I think it's because people are really interested in those types of things. So that would be like my short term, like, Just making sure that you're set up, the foundation is there to grow is it all starts with your positioning, right? Like your cover art, your show title, your episode titles, your show notes need to be clean. Like all of that has to be in place before you can really grow, I think.
1: I love that tip, too, because it's so consistent with the premise of your podcast, how you're learning from other genres of entertainment. Because that's a playbook taken right out of famous YouTubers, right? (laughs) I just recently listened to a podcast where they're kind of examining what makes Mr. Beast so huge. A part of it is the title photo. YouTubers put an extreme amount of work making that title image perfect with the hook words and all that stuff. That's why I like this advice. It's um, bringing that to the podcast world. Because I think for podcasters, it's almost like an afterthought. You don't hear people talking about it as much as you hear people in the YouTube space talk about it.
0: Yeah. And there's a fine line too. Like I I also don't believe in getting so nitpicky and being such a perfectionist because that slows us down as content creators. But just being thoughtful and intentional with those sorts of things goes a long way. From what yeah.
1: I've seen, you know something I don't do yet. I notice other podcast teachers kind of recommend having a different image for each episode. What do you think about that? That seems like a lot of work.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, my answer is don't do. But if someone really wants to know my thoughts, I actually just recorded an episode with Jordan, who hosts the Buzzsprout Q and A podcast. Oh. And the whole episode is about the pros and cons of episode-specific artwork. And if (laughs) anyone is interested, I mean, we went through all the pros we could think of, and there weren't many. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I just think it's an unnecessary extra step, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) By the way, I'm with you, too, because whenever I see something I don't recognize on a podcast player, like a totally different cover image it confuses me. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what all these other people are talking about, but I'm definitely going to go check out that episode.
0: Yeah. So if anyone wants to hear that episode, it's on Buzzsprout podcasting Q&A. It's titled The Pros and Cons of Episode Artwork. And it was released on July 31st, 2022.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and even as you said that, it makes me wonder, oh, so podcasting Q&A doesn't use episode numbers, huh?
0: oh yeah i don't know if they do actually i don't think they do which i actually when i first started my podcasting journey i was so against numbering episodes because Mm -hmm. i'm always like a big picture thinker and i'm like okay if you promote your episode on socials and in articles and in blog posts, all with the episode number, and then for some reason you have to take an episode down, you're making so much extra work for you. <laughs> yeah. you have to t- like you can't change a graphic on Instagram right. once it's posted. Right. And it's just going to be so confusing and messy. Hmm. But what I have learned is actually that is such a small thing to worry about. And the right. pros of numbering your episodes far outweigh the cons. So yeah. I'm, I'm very pro numbering your episodes. Yes.
1: I'm leading. <laughs> (laughs) towards that after I hit um, a certain number of episodes because I feel like when you're below that threshold having that number might hurt you a little bit that's just kind of my sort of psychological yeah Mm -hmm. it's like oh when people see this podcast only has 20 episodes that might look bad you know what
0: I saw recently that really pissed me off actually was just about the same exact mentality you're Mm -hmm. thinking as Mm -hmm. somebody if you're reaching out to your dream guest and they see that you only have 30 episodes they're inclined to be like okay come back to me when you have more episodes <laughs> yeah. right like mm. and and sponsors too like everyone wants to see that you have at least 100 episodes mm. just subconsciously right. it's not even like a conscious thought right and there's a podcast that just was launched recently and i i don't remember what podcast it was but it was some influencer launched a podcast And I clicked on it, and I was like, oh, you know who it was? It was um, from, I think, The Hills. Uh, They just released this podcast with uh, uh, Lauren Conrad, maybe? Let me just look it it up.
1: It's funny if it's Lauren Conrad because, you know, we used to manage her.
0: Oh, seriously. Oh, the podcast. Uh, I never watched Laguna Beach, but the hosts are Kristen Cavallari and Stefan or Steven Coletti. I don't know. But the podcast is called Back to the Beach. And I noticed that I think it like landed number one on Apple Podcasts or something. And I, I clicked on it. I saw it in pod news. I don't know. For some reason, I clicked on this podcast and I was like, how did they just launch? And they have over 100 episodes already because yeah. the numbers were numbered in the hundreds. And I'm like, hmm. maybe they're just relaunching, right? But no, what I think they did is they started their numbering at 101, 101, <laughs> 102. And I was like, number one, how wow. brilliant, how brilliant of their team, but also how annoying that really pisses how me shady, off, yeah. right? Like, I was like, a smart, but shady. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. And I'm, yeah. leaning, I'm leaning towards I hate it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, in the world of hacks, that's a good hack.
0: Yeah, they have <laughs> 11 episodes, yet they start at 101.
1: They started at 101. That is an interesting technique. Yeah. (laughs) I might be on the fence on this one.
0: I mean, I just...
1: (laughs) (laughs) So titles and stuff is your good short-term tactic. And now you're going to talk about a long-term tactic, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. And that's where collaborations come in. And I don't think it's anything unique to podcasting, honestly. If you think about Any content creator, how you grow is through collaborating with other creators and getting in front of other audiences, as Mm -hmm. far as if you're talking about organic growth. And so for a long-term strategy, there's no better way. And especially in podcasting, you think about it like a lot of people are still new to podcasting as far as listeners go. A lot of people have never downloaded a podcast listening app even. Mm. They're just not into podcasts. And so if you're marketing on something like Instagram or LinkedIn or any other social media platform... You're, you kind of have this barrier that you have to cross of trying to find the people that actually listen to podcasts on that platform. And so for me, rather than spending all of my time and energy marketing to people that are never gonna open a podcast app, I would rather go find a podcast that is speaking to my dream listeners and for free, go get an hour of exposure mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of that audience And not only is it exposure, but it then becomes a warm audience because when somebody listens to you for an hour, they now know love and trust you and they're going to go listen to your podcast if they enjoyed you and they're going to tell their friends and it'll just organically grow much quicker. So I am a huge proponent of collaborations and especially coming from the music business, like I think Mm. about. When an artist goes on their first tour, they're not headlining stadiums, right? They're supporting at clubs. They're having their little club show headliner run possibly then they're supporting at an amphitheater, an arena, and then they're supporting at a stadium. And then maybe one day they're going to headline that stadium. But it's about getting in front of those borrowed audiences before you can actually grow a huge audience of your own.
1: Right. Uh, no, that's a great analogy, and a collaboration could mean so many things. But you're really specifically talking about podcast guesting on other yeah. podcasts, then.
0: Yeah, that's my. That's I'm so grateful to be here. This is like <laughs> yeah. exactly what I love to do. Yeah,
1: how many do you try to do these a year? <laughs> uh, let's say
0: it's actually a huge priority for me right now. And as far as like how many I try to do, it's as many as possible that are in alignment. So like, of course, I can't say yes to every single one, mm-hmm. but any podcast that is a good fit. A hundred percent. I'm going to make time for it because Mm. I really do believe in the power. And I think that's the fastest way to grow my own podcast. And I love forming relationships with other podcasters as well. So it's like a win-win for me. Um, but I'm not actively pitching myself on podcasts, Mm -hmm. um, which I should be. I just, uh, there's so much else (laughs) going on that like, it is a big priority when people come and ask me, I make time for it, but it's, it also feels weird pitching myself to be on a podcast because then I feel like I really need to come in with like a presentation. Like mm-hmm. I have to like prove myself about why I should go on their podcast. But
1: right. as far
0: as how I best am a guest on podcasts, it's going with the flow of whatever the host wants to talk about. Right. So I really like it when hosts come to me and they're just like, Hey, I like you. Can you come on my podcast? And I'll yeah, be like, sure. Right.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. That's, it's one of my favorite playbooks. And just like you, I'm like not good at intentionally doing it, uh, right. kind of a little bit more reactive, but it works so well that I'm like, why aren't I spending more time? For me, it's just because when I'm producing my own, it's so time consuming already. Yeah. That extra work of, like you said, pitching yourself, ooh, it's a lot of but-
0: work. As far as like guesting on other podcasts, it's so fun for me to like guest yeah. on your podcast because I'm like, oh, now I just did it and I get to reap the benefits, but I don't have to touch it ever again besides exactly. like resharing it to my story or something. I don't know. But exactly, I, like, I love that part of it.
1: Yeah, it's so much easier. It's probably like one tenth the work. Yeah. With sort of Ten times the benefit. Yeah. I don't know why people don't do it more. If you had a goal in, let's say, 2023, how many podcasts would you want to do for like every month,
0: I would do one a week.
1: One a week. Yeah. I think that's a good goal. 52.
0: Yeah, I would. I mean, I just had a woman named Julie Solomon on my podcast. Are you familiar with Julie?
1: No, I don't.
0: Julie is an OG in the podcasting space. Mm. She is like one of the very first podcasts I ever binged when I first started listening mm. to podcasts, like back in, I think it was like 2017, 2018. Um, And her podcast is called the influencer podcast. And she kind of similar to me. She, she was in the music industry. She was a publicist. And then she transitioned that into teaching influencers how to pitch themselves for brand deals. So actually a lot that I've learned about brand deals has come from Julie, but. Julie just recently released her first book and she went all out being a former book publicist. (laughs) And she told me it wasn't all podcasts because there were some like Instagram lives mixed in, but for her book launch campaign, it was around like 76 appearances.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Just during that campaign. I was like, I don't even know, like, I can't even believe you chose to be on my podcast, but thank you.
1: <laughs> I think for something like that, when that's such a big part of your playbook, you do need like a VA or some kind of assistant to help you with that. Oh, for that sh- and takes- she did. She
0: hired a publicity team. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, but, and uh, yeah, I asked her all about it in our episode together. If anyone's interested, go check that out. It's a really, really good episode. One of my favorites.
1: Yeah. Do Do you know the number?
0: Episode 57, How to Activate Your Purpose with Julie Solomon.
1: And I will put that episode in the show notes. So one final question before we move into our final quick fire questions is you mentioned you do 40 episodes and I've always wondered, because I'm getting to the point where, wow, it would be nice to take a break here and there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Does that
1: hurt your numbers at all? Or do you just try not to worry about that?
0: I don't care if it does, because to me as a content creator, you have to build in breaks to rest and recharge, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel or Instagram or TikTok. If you go, go, go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, you're gonna burn out. And Mm. we all do this because we, we chose something that we love and we're passionate about and we wanna share it with the world. And in order to put out your best content, you have to rest and recharge. You have to take care of yourself. I prioritize my morning workouts before anything else. Like Self-care is hugely important to me. And that's how I'm able to perform at my best. It's how I'm able to do a million things at once because I am intentional about time management and planning for stuff like that. Um, With my podcast, I chose 40 episodes a year because that leaves 12 weeks to rest and recharge. Mm. And it just feels When you see that in your calendar, especially as a new podcaster, and I map that out every year in advance when my breaks will be. And when I see that in the calendar, it gives me so much energy in the times I am recording and publishing because I know I have a break coming up. Like I've planned for it. I know it's coming up Mm -hmm. and it also holds me accountable for the days where I've committed to publish an episode just mentally. And what I've realized personally, and not everyone has to do this because if you want to take those 12 weeks to rest and recharge, I totally think you should, as long as you're just letting your audience know in advance that there's not going to be an episode next week. Cause I think transparency is really important as well to retain your audience. Um, but for me personally, what has ended up happening is. I got into a flow so quickly with my podcast once it was in total alignment and it didn't feel like so much work anymore. And now every single Monday, cause I publish my episodes on Monday, I like can't wait for the world to hear this episode. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited for it. Cool. And if I have an episode in the queue ready to go and a break is approaching, sometimes I'm skipping my breaks. I'm like, no, I just really want to get this episode out. <laughs> um, and for instance, right now we're in the middle of the podcast awards, the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Hmm. And the voting, um, how it works is the whole month of July, every podcast that enters has to get as many votes from their audience as possible. And then the podcast with the most votes end up in the final slate in each category. And so my podcast ended up in the final slate in two categories, which is education and then best female hosted podcast. And so from now through the whole month of August and September, we're in voting period. So Mm. all of the, the voters at this point are randomly selected. And now they're just listening through the shows and picking their favorites and selecting the winners. And so, because this is such a big priority for me, I ended up, deciding to skip all of my blackout dates during that period because I didn't want a voter to land on my feed and see that I hadn't published an episode that Uh, week. So I've been skipping my blackouts for that reason. And then I'll probably take a break after the winners are announced (laughs) on September (laughs) 30th. Um, But it's like little decisions that you have to make like that as a business owner is yes, it's important to rest and recharge, but it's also important to prioritize your goals and just making sure that they work in tandem. Um, And the 40 episode cycle has worked for me. I've worked with brands, especially on a podcast I produce where we are doing title sponsorships that have been negotiated and everyone's always been super thrilled. Even networks are fine with it as long as everyone just agrees up front. Okay, we're on a 40 episode annual cycle and we're good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a lot of podcasts release every other week as well. And that can work as well. It's like, as long as it's in alignment and you're going to produce your best content, you can find a sponsor that'll work with you.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, I'll definitely, if you could share a link with me after the episode, definitely cast a vote for you, if I can. Well, you can't anymore. You can't. <laughs> oh, I can? It's over. It's, okay. It's
0: only, so in July, I was gathering as many votes as possible okay. from everybody. And now how they do it is everyone who voted in July is randomly selected and they, they make sure to space it out so that it's not like all of my audience is voting right so they they try to space it out so all of the voters are already locked and loaded and they're like listening to podcasts
1: oh got it (laughs)
0: but i appreciate that interesting
1: yeah (laughs) no because i appreciate how intentional you are with everything even describing that 40 episode thing it's just so intentional you have an intention for everything you do which i very much appreciate so Thanks for all the advice. We're going to dive into the final quick fire five questions. I always end every episode and these are just kind of fun and they could be short. And uh, starting number one, do you collect listener emails? Yes. So how do you do it?
0: So I do it in lots of different ways. So I have lots of freebies that people Uh can go download by entering their email address. I have Um, a list of 50 ways to get podcast listeners. I have a directory I put together of 75 top podcasts interviewing entrepreneurs with all their contact info, which is super high value. People love that one. A free masterclass about how to build a tribe that buys if you're someone who is a coach wanting to start a podcast for attracting people back to your memberships. Um, And then I also have, like I mentioned, the Facebook group. And with the Facebook group, I use this Software called Group Convert, which captures email addresses as they enter it. Ask them what's their email, and then puts it into a spreadsheet for me. And then I add that into my email database.
1: Nice. Yeah, you. It's that's your superpower. You have so many assets that you use as a lean man. that's very cool. Yes. Uh, question two: What's the last podcast you recommended?
0: Smartlist.
1: Smartlist. Oh <laughs> my gosh,
0: you have no idea. Okay, so just yesterday I was at the gym and I was listening to Smartlist. For everyone listening, SmartList is with Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. It's, mm-hmm. it's three actors. They have the best chemistry with each other. And then for every episode, they have a guest, which is usually an entertainer or a producer, someone in the film and TV world for the most part. And I just enjoy that show so much. They're so go with the flow, just like a casual conversation between friends, which is what I love so much about it. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to an episode with Keenan Thompson, who you'd recognize from SNL and like the Keenan and Kel show, like way back in the day. And when I was leaving the gym, the episode had ended and I got in my car and it auto-played to the next episode and I didn't recognize the name. And I don't listen to every single episode of SmartList and I usually navigate towards the people that I recognize as the guests. Yeah. But I was like, okay, I don't recognize this name. Let me just Google it really quick. And it was a director named Sean Levy. Have you ever heard of Sean mm. Levy?
1: Just my name. I can't think of any of his movies.
0: Okay. So I, when I quickly Googled, I was like, oh, he directed Stranger Things. Heck oh, yeah. Like I okay. can't wait to hear. <laughs> yeah, he has that's to say. Right. So I was listening to, and actually I'm glad you asked me this question. Cause it goes, I want to go back to that 40 episode thing real quick, but I was listening to that episode on the way home. And it was like, it was like speaking to me. It was like therapy for me as a content <laughs> creator, just listening to Sean Levy. I mean, he's just so warm and welcoming as a human being anyway, but the stuff he was sharing was so profound and like It was so great that I immediately came home and I recorded a a mini podcast episode about it. (laughs) So what I do is if I can, I don't do it all the time. Again, if I need a rest and recharge break in my 40 episode annual cycle, I take it. But in a situation like this, where like I maybe want to put like a mini episode up mm-hmm. instead of taking mm-hmm. a whole break, what I've been doing is on those off weeks, I put up a podcast episode recommendation. Oh, and so I cool. will link out to a podcast that I think my audience would enjoy. And I like tell them why I would, I think they would like it. So they still get a podcast episode. It just might not be from me. And so I was That's like, cool. you have to listen to this podcast episode with Sean Levy. Here's why I give four reasons why, because it's four things for your podcast. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to share that episode. It's like sitting in my to publish, like it's ready to go. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. I need a I need a break. I just have too many good <laughs> that episodes. That is cool.
1: <laughs> I like that. That's such a cool segment. I'm going to have to check it out.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. I love it.
1: I dig it. Um, so question three, how much time do you spend producing each episode?
0: oh my god i have cut it down a lot okay again i'm like type a perfectionist and i mean especially with my first podcast there were days where i would spend like 20 hours on an episode i mean like ridiculous but because i have to live and like pay my bills and stuff (laughs) i've had to prioritize so like i don't do everything i want to be doing right i like Mm -hmm. do the the bare minimum when it comes to my podcast sure until somebody pays me big bucks, knock, knock, knock. If anyone's listening, we can do more, but no, now I, I, oh gosh, it's the prep that gets me like, Mm -hmm. depending on who the guest is, the prep can get pretty intense. Like if I'm, if I've reached out to someone that has no business coming on my podcast. They are so above <laughs> me, right? Like I spend quite a bit of time making sure that yeah. I'm really prepared for that episode. And, and so that's what really varies. And when you come, do have
1: pretty big notable names on your podcast. I notice, yeah.
0: I do. And yeah. it's, again, it's all about this long-term strategy I have because it's just your podcast is better- received by sponsors and mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. by other dream guests when you have bigger sure. names. So it's yep. and the the big names that I bring on my guests, I bring them on for a reason, not just because they have a big name. So I I'm, I'm definitely intentional about that too. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, yeah, so the prep is variable. But as far as like the actual recording, I obviously show up and I do the session, which is usually an hour to an hour and a half. And mm-hmm. then it takes me a while to edit the actual segment because I'm pretty particular about like editing out boring parts or stuff that I don't think my audience will care about, or mm. a lot of, especially people that haven't done a lot of podcast guesting, they might stumble mm-hmm. a lot over their words. And i like to clean that up a bit. So it usually takes me like whatever the episode length is usually like a little over double that amount of time to like clean up the audio. And that's what I call editing the segment. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, I sometimes will record an intro. Sometimes I'll record an outro. Sometimes I'll, I'll include like a bumper for one of my products Mm -hmm. or services to insert. So the whole process now, let's say like five to 10 hours.
1: Oh, wow. It's still, it's like still still a lot, Yeah,
0: but that includes prepping the promo material. It includes I, to promote the episode on Instagram, for instance. Sometimes I'll do a collab reel with my guests, which again, I'm all about the collaborations and getting in front of new audiences. And so what's really cool about a collab reel on Instagram is you share audiences. So the Mm -hmm. reel is shown on both of your feeds, you share engagement. And so that's really important to me. So I'll come up with like a fun idea, send my guest a Mm -hmm. couple options then they pick one and then i have to sometimes train them how to record <laughs> like a video yeah. cuz not yeah. everyone's like super savvy and then i have to put that together add the captions write the actual or add the video text add the cap or write the captions i write a newsletter for every episode show notes obviously it all just adds up right it's like n- yeah, none no. of it is really uh, yeah, hard yeah. it's just time consuming even though
1: i said wow 10 hours i'm like yeah that's about right cuz a yeah. lot of people don't count the research all <laughs> right. the you know marketing post production takes a long time, right. um, yeah.
0: And then for every episode, also like trying to get creative as far as how I'm marketing it. Like for instance, um, just last night, I recorded probably the most powerful episode, actually definitely the most powerful episode I've ever recorded and released. And it's not the typical content that I share on my podcast. It's more mm-hmm. a big picture about like chasing your dreams after a life of adversity. And so with this particular episode, it's really special to me. And so I'm working on putting together a whole press campaign uh-huh. around this one episode. So is it's stuff a solo like that episode? Too. No, no, no. It's with a guest actually. Oh, it's with a guest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. It's um. <laughs> long story short, I ran across this Instagram reel where a woman about my age was maybe a little younger, was talking about how she was starting her first day of pharmacy school after it was like her big dream is starting pharmacy school. And she grew up in the foster care system. She suffered a lot of abuse, had a lot of trauma throughout her life, had a lot of mental health issues. And she was just sharing how special it was that she was able to after a life, that kind of life to actually pursue her big dream of starting pharmacy school. And it was just a really emotional video. Like she was choked up and all of that. So I immediately DM'd her and I was like, will you please come on my podcast and share your story? Because that's what my podcast is about. It's chasing big dreams. And like, whether you're a content creator or a human being, we all are aspiring for big goals. If you're listening mm-hmm. to my podcast and that episode, she just opened up and got really real and vulnerable and raw and shared her whole story. like. It was the first time I've ever had to add like a trigger warning to my podcast episode Mm. and like a disclaimer, legal disclaimer, talking about, I'm not here to give mental health advice, Mm. do your own research, things like that. Like As a podcaster, that kind of stuff is really important to take into consideration as well. But that all being said, that episode is so important to me that I have to allow myself creative time to think outside of the box like hey Mm -hmm. maybe this is worthy of a press campaign and what's going on right now what maybe it's mental health month like can i tie this into a press release Mm. and what what outlets can i pitch to and just getting creative is super important too so that's like above and beyond the 10 hours i would say
1: (laughs) yeah that's brilliant by the way yeah because i think we all get in this routine we're just churning out episode after episode but yeah when you have some very powerful episode it might be worth doing some more marketing around it yeah that's great i like that definitely Uh, Question number four. What's your favorite podcast tool? One. I know you have a ton.
0: (laughs) If we're talking about my all-time favorite podcast tool, Mm -hmm. it's going to be... Okay, it's a hard tie, but I'm going to go with Zoom. Okay. Because, you know, and old guru podcasters... They're so set in their ways, right? Like you have to have perfect mm-hmm. audio and you have to have the perfectly um, padded room and you have to have the best microphone and you have to use Riverside or Zencaster, or Squadcast or whatever these fancy platforms are. And in my experience, I've tried those fancy platforms and I just love the ease of Zoom. It mm. sounds good enough. Your content is what's going to sell your podcast, not the fact that you have slightly better audio than the podcast next to you. So if you focus on your content, Zoom is your best friend, Mm. not to mention the fact that all of your guests are used to using Zoom and it just makes their experience so much easier, too. Right. The close second, though, would be Calendly because my Mm. scheduling sequence is... Unlike any you've ever seen, it is so helpful, and you actually have a great one too. I I noticed oh, you use Calendly, and I got a text message reminder, and I got an email reminder. I got a calendar appointment. I just think those little touches make the whole experience so much.
1: Mm-hmm. Just
0: it it just flows so much better as far as my personal workflow. Um, but it's also my guests have really loved that too.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love Calendly. And final question: What's your primary call to action at the end of each episode?
0: Oh, gosh, I have a lot. I'm like, I need to narrow it down, I think. (laughs) But mine is um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Rating and reviews are so important to me. So, for somebody who they don't know you from Adam, they don't know if you're popular or not, the only way they can gauge is by how many ratings and reviews you have on Apple. So, I try to get those as high as possible, and I'm really proud of where I am with that. So, that is my first number one priority. Please go follow, rate, and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts, follow and rate five stars on Spotify. And then I also ask people to follow me on Instagram, tag me if they, if they took something out of that episode. Chances are someone else might too. So I really appreciate when you shared your stories and tag me, let me know what you took away from the episode and then join the Facebook group. And the selling point on the Facebook group in my call to action is every Friday, I offer an opportunity for podcasters to exchange ratings and reviews on their own podcast. So it's a really fun thing that we do in that Facebook group.
1: I love it. Well, there you have it, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, go check out Four Things for Your Podcast. Uh, Go to Apple, follow, rate and review it, and go to (laughs) Spotify, rate it, and uh, follow Angie Griffith on Instagram, and I'll have her Instagram in the show notes. And thanks for being on the show, Angie.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This was such an amazing conversation. I can't wait to hear it. Yay!
1: Thanks for listening to Podcast Growth Hacks. If you like the show, please tell a fellow podcaster about it. This really does help keep our show going. And if you have a podcast growth question that you're kind of curious about, well, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave me an audio message by going to podinbox.com slash podcast once again that's podinbox.com slash podcast i'll include that link in my show notes i personally respond to all questions i receive there and once i get your question i'll find the podcasting expert to answer it on an upcoming episode we'll play your question and i'll even give you a shout out until the next episode keep creating and keep growing your show